Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. Amen. Amen. I thought after the band finished, I should have worn my Waymaker t-shirt today, but I didn't. I wore my Wigglesworth Boxing Club t-shirt, which is a, a slightly obscure reference to a great British preacher from years ago, Smith Wigglesworth. And on the back, there is a Wigglesworth quote that says, great faith is always the product of great fights. So be encouraged while you go through this battle. Great faith is the product of great fight. Anyway, that's a sermon for another day. Let's talk about what matters most today. I started this teaching series last Sunday and came to it because the truth is a lot of us are reevaluating things just now, and things that didn't seem so important have, have, have often become very, very significant right now. Like one of these. I never thought I'd go into a store wearing a mask. I dreamed of it as a kid. I wanted to do it. But that was with a toy gun in my hand as well. But we, <laughs> but we won't go there. But um, no, things, things that, you know, our values have changed and things that weren't important really are important now. And you know, in life too, a lot of us are revisiting what matters most. When we moved to the United States in 1991, our our, our children were both college age, so we moved in the summer. They came with us, but in August, they went back to school in Scotland. And it was sometime in November of that year, it was 1991, that I said to Jill one day, I said, do you know what just occurred to me? She said, what? I said, no one has been in this house except me and you in the last three months. And that was very, very strange for us. And it was strange because we had moved here from a very small rural community in the northeast of Scotland where your front door was like always open. Uh, and, and, and people went, you know, people visited each other regularly, constantly, and you, you never even worried too much about did we lock the front door or not. You didn't lock your car when it was outside on the street at night. You didn't worry about those things. And, and the fact is, at any time of day or night, you might be sitting there and you'd hear the front door open. Nobody knocked. You'd hear the front door open and you'd hear the, and you'd hear the word shouted, are you in? Are you in? If you say it slowly, means are you in? Are you in? Are you in? So somebody opened the door. Are you in? We'd be sitting there maybe in, in the evening, might be 9.30 at night. We'd be sitting there and, and somebody we know was walking by our house, saw the light on, decided they'd come visit with us. So the door would open. Are you in? And that was it. You know, if you didn't want to be in, you turn the lights off and lock the door. But, you know, that was, it was so friendly. You never knocked. You never really had to set up a meeting or an invitation. You just visited people at will. That was a way of life. If there was ever one person who should never need to knock, 
I'm going to say perhaps it's Jesus. But what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about a verse from the Bible that describes Jesus knocking at the door of our lives. I've quoted this verse plenty of times, I'm sure, over the years that I've pastored, but I don't think in the 56 years I've been preaching that I've ever actually focused on preaching on this particular verse, but I want to do it today. My theme today is this, you see, that God wants a relationship with us. God wants a relationship with us. What matters most? What matters most is having a personal relationship with God. God wants a relationship with us. So let's have a look at this verse. The book of Revelation, chapter 3 and verse 20. Jesus says, look at me. I stand at the door. I knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. Look at me, says Jesus, I stand at the door, I knock, if you hear me call. Look at me, I'm standing here, I'm knocking, if you can hear me. God wants a relationship with us. That that, um, verse in Revelation is quite similar to a a verse you'll find in one of the more obscure books of the Old Testament called the Song of Solomon. And the Song of Solomon is a fascinating book. I tend to believe if I live long enough, I'll fully understand it. Um, But the Song of Solomon basically, simplistically, is kind of an allegory of a a romance between a, a young man and a young woman and it's, it's a picture there of how Christ wants a relationship with us and how he pursues us. And in the Song of Solomon, chapter 5 and verse 2, the, the woman says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling. So, so back there, there's a the whole picture. Here she is. And... and, and The one who loves her is knocking at the door, wanting to come in. And it seems like centuries later, we've actually got Jesus saying, hey, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. I want a relationship with you. Now, let me ask you this question. Some of you will be sitting watching this now with, with the significant other in your life, right? Now, I really don't want you to start a war over this because you're in church. You might not be in church, but you're in church, okay? So be nice. But who made the first move? Right? Don't argue about it. Who made the first move? Now, I know who made the first move with my wife and I. Of course, she's not here to tell me I'm wrong, but it, it was me. It was me. I went right out on a limb when we, we were in college together, and um, I passed her a note in class and said, will you meet me tonight up the lane at whatever time? And she said, yes, that's cool. I made the first move because I really wanted to get to know her better. And and you know the strange thing and the wonderful thing that makes Christianity so very different 
is that the main message of the Bible is of a God who is looking to connect with us. Every other religion, living and dead in this world, is about how people can get up to God. It's about how people can find God. Some people think the secret of life is actually to find themselves. Please don't do that. You'll be disappointed. No, no, it's, you know, so many, it's how do I get to God? What have I got to do? How can I get to levels of holiness, levels of godliness? How can I do that? That's not what the Christianity is all about. The Christianity, Christianity isn't about how you can get to God. The great news of the gospel is this. God wants to get to us. He initiated it. God wants a relationship with us. There was, there was a, a great Jewish scholar years ago, and... Um, This is what he wrote. He said, no rabbi or scholar ever conceived the concept of God actually going out in quest of sinful men who were not seeking him, but who had turned away from him. Who'd have thunk it? God set out looking for sinful men. In the 12th century... St. Bernard was writing to his monks, and he said to his monks, however early you might rise for prayers on a cold winter morning, or even in the dead of night, you will always find God awake before you, waiting for you. Indeed, he said, it was probably he who had awakened you to seek his face. We were made by God And we were made for God because God wants us to be his. God wants a relationship with us. You remember back in the uh, book of Genesis, right back in the story of creation, uh, Adam and Eve were there in the garden. They did what God said they shouldn't do. And in Genesis 3, it says this, when they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden hid from God. So here they were feeling guilty. And, and if you look at this verse, kind of the suggestion is, it's almost like this is what God did some nights. God came down and he hung out with Adam and Eve. It's like, hey, how was your day, Adam? Well, I trimmed a few trees and I uh, put a few seeds in the ground. How was yours, God? Well, I maintained a universe. Everything's still cool. Same old, same old. But they hung out together, ran the fire pit. I don't know. Because God made mankind for relationship with him. But then Adam and Eve sinned, and then they hid from God. And, uh, and then it says this in the, in the next verse. It says, God called to the man, where are you? The first question of the Bible is God looking for Adam. Now, don't get me wrong, he knew where he was. It's like God knows where we are right now, right? God wasn't, oh my, I wonder where he could be. Is he behind that bush or that bush? It's like God knew where he was, but he's making a point here. Like, you know, why are you hiding? Where are you? I, I, you know, I, I want to be with you. I want to talk with you. I want us to be together. That's how God intended things to be. And then kind of like Adam, really, we did our own things that separated us from God. 
But then if you fast forward to the end of the Bible, you, you have this great statement in Revelation 21, where it talks about the end of everything, everything being restored. And it says, I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people. He's their God. That's what God wants. God wants his people. God wants you and I to be his people. Look, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If you could hear my voice. Some translations put that, if anyone hears my voice. It's an absolutely open invitation. Doesn't matter who we are, doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've done. If anyone will hear my voice, the, the classic story, I think, that illustrates that in the, it, it, during the ministry of Jesus is in the 15th chapter of Luke's gospel, where Jesus told the story that many of us know as the parable of the lost sheep. Real straightforward. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders rejoicing. And when you got home, you'd call your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I've found my lost sheep. That's a classic illustration of what I'm talking about. Jesus cares about the one who's gone astray. He wants everybody to be in the fold. And the great news for us today, for you and for me, is of a God who looks for us, is a God who wants us, and a God who is reaching to bring us close to himself into his fold. I'm standing and knocking. If anybody hears my voice. I was driving down here um, to our church building, I think it was um, not yesterday, the Saturday before, and I was coming down and our son's been with us for a few weeks and he was with me in the car and uh, as I'm driving, my phone rings. And so I hit like the answer thing for the Bluetooth, so I hit the answer and uh, this lady's voice saying, uh, hey Rog, uh, what are you up to? I hate it when people do that to me. If you ever call me, please say, hi, Roger, this is so-and-so, okay? Will you please do that? It's really helpful. I mean, a lot of folks' names pop up on the phone, but this one didn't. Hi, Rog, what are you up to? Um, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm just off down in the church to pick up some things. Uh, oh, so are you driving? I better not bother you if you're driving. No, I'm on Bluetooth, that's fine. And I'm looking over to Jonathan, and I'm like, who is that? And he looked at me and said, it's your sister. <laughs> okay, Pat, I know you're going to be watching this, all right? So I know you're going to be watching this. It was the Bluetooth. It was everything else. It was, uh, I don't know what it was, but it was like, it didn't sound like you for a moment. And uh, <laughs> that's sad, right? <laughs> that's sad. I thought you folks would enjoy that. Um, yeah. I like to say it's because I'm getting older, but I've never been any better than that. But Jesus says, look, I'm stunned. If, you, if you're hearing me, how, how do you recognize the voice of Jesus? Like, how would you, you know, I'm talking about you know, Jesus knocking in your life, Jesus asking to come in. How do you recognize? How do you, well, you know what? The Lord speaks to us in a lot of different ways. 
Sometimes, sometimes it can be as simple as a line in a song that we listen to that just hits us. And it keeps coming back to us. And maybe it's drawing us into a closer relationship with God. That's where we need to recognize that's not just an earworm. I think that's the Lord saying something to me. Sometimes it's through reading God's Word. Sometimes it's through listening to somebody preaching. When you feel something inside you being drawn towards God. It's not just the sermon. It's not just the preacher. There's something way more than that going on. Sometimes it's in conversations we have with other people, things they say. Sometimes the circumstances we're going through in life can start to really draw us towards God. And if we will really listen, what's actually happening is Jesus is calling to us and saying, hey, I'm here. I'm here for you. And I want to be right there with you. If you will open the door, God wants a relationship with us. But here's a very significant next stage from this verse in Revelation 3.20. God waits on our response. I said just now, if anybody ever had the right to barge right in, then it's Jesus, right? I mean, did he really need to knock? (laughs) It's you, Jesus. You, You know, just feel free to come in. But he doesn't. See, there in Revelation 3 verse 20, here's what he says. I'm standing at the door, I'm knocking. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in. So God's saying, I want a relationship with you, but God does not barge in. If you hear me call and open the door. A long time ago, a guy by the name of Holman Hunt uh, painted a a very well-known painting called The Light of the World. And it's a picture of Jesus standing holding a lantern And I know it's Jesus because he's got a white robe and golden hair and white face like all Jewish people. And and so, so is Jesus standing outside of this door? And it's an illustration of Revelation 3.20. Standing at the door and knocking. But if there's one thing that you'll notice if you look at Hunt's painting, you will notice that there is no handle on the outside of the door. And that's the way God's made it. Theologians call it human responsibility. It's like God so wants a relationship with us, he didn't program us that we would want to do that. He left us to make that choice. So we wouldn't be his followers because we were slaves, but we would be his followers because we were people who chose that we wanted to be in a relationship with him. That's a huge difference. God left us with our choices. Now, here's the truth. The sad thing is we have actually made some horrible choices as well as some exceptionally good ones. And my prayer this Sunday morning is that you will make the best choice ever today and you will open the door of your life and heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's one thing to know about Jesus, but it's a whole other thing to know Jesus. 
It's one thing to kind of have Jesus out there as part of our life, but it's a whole other thing to have Christ within us as the center of our lives. Solomon was the wisest man in the Bible, and when he was the king, he was visited by the queen of Sheba, and uh, here's what the queen of Sheba said to him in 2 Chronicles 9. She said to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I didn't believe what they said until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half the greatness of your wisdom was told me. You far exceeded the report I heard. She said, I had no idea what this was really like until I saw it with my own eyes. And you've got no idea what living in relationship with God is really like until you enter into that relationship. A number of years ago in 1984, around this time, it was April 1984, I was in the United States for the first time, and uh, down in Virginia Beach with my good friend, Wally Odom, and I was speaking at a pastor's conference at his church, and uh, I was staying with a couple who came from Scotland that we knew from there, Robert and Margaret Cameron, who are fantastic people. And uh, Robert and Wally and I had a few adventures during that period of seven to ten days I was there, most of them surrounded eating because it was a passion of all three of us. And, and I was in the States for the first time and like everything around me was new. I mean, can you imagine? I had never seen Taco Bell before. Oh, taste and see, Taco Bell is good, right? I'd never, I'd never seen Taco Bell. I'd never, I'd never had Burger King. Uh, and then there were the kind of the more upmarket places they introduced me to like Shoney's Breakfast Bar on Indian River Road. Shoney's is a southern thing apparently, and if you've never been to Shoney's Breakfast Bar, I feel sorry for you. I'd never seen anything like it. It was a huge, all-you-can-eat buffet. Now, I'm going to tell you this. In 1984 and for quite a few years following, I always looked on all-you-can-eat as a challenge. Like, I can put you out of business. You do not know who you're talking to. So I go into Shoney's and it's like, you know how buffets go? You don't want people to think badly of you. You don't want to keep going up and keep going up. So you master a thing and it's like building blocks with kids. How tall can I make this before it falls over, right? So I stacked up this plate. I go to the table and sit down. And I go and sit down and see Robert and, and, and Wally have got little round bowls of white stuff. I'd never seen that before. I said, what's that? They said, that's grits. I said, what are grits? They said, grits. I've got very helpful friends. So, so, uh, so I looked at them and I said, what are they like? They said, well, you know, a lot of folks like them. They're good. I said, okay, I, I want to try them. I'm going to go over and get a bowl to put these grits in. And I dig a spoon and I said, man, they're nasty. And then they said, no, no, you've got to do stuff to grits. You've got to put in butter and sugar. And you know what? You know, stale bread would taste good with butter and sugar. You're right. Anything would taste better. So I put butter and sugar into these grits, and it was the best thing on earth I'd ever eaten. When I looked at them first, I thought, no, thank you. But when I tasted them, I thought, this is pretty good. There's a verse in the Bible that says this about Jesus. 
It says, open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are those who run to him. There's only one way to find out who God is, how God is. It's taste and see. <laughs> you can look from a distance and you can wonder what God's like, but there's only one thing to do. It's to open the door. You know, some folks are nervous about opening the door of their lives to Jesus and making a commitment to Christ, and I get it. Hey, I was there as a youngster when I was kind of weighing and God was talking to me about giving my life to him. And I'm there thinking, yeah, but what does that mean? I've got to give this up and I've got to stop that. And, and we can kind of get that picture. What's that mean? I've got to go to church every Sunday? Well, not for the next few weeks anyway. Anyway, does that mean I've got to stop doing this? I've got to stop doing this? And you know what I want to say to you? Don't judge true believers of Jesus by the weirdest Christians you've met. And don't judge true believers of Jesus by the nastiest Christians you've met. Sorry, I've got to say that, but it's true. Here's what happens when you open the door of your life to Jesus. John's Gospel, chapter 7 and verse 38. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, Jesus said, this has been promised. Anyone who believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So what Jesus is saying is like there's going to be like a fountain of life that comes. You're going to come alive in a way that you never really understood before. If you trust him, if we believe in him, when you open the door of your life to Christ, Jesus says there's going to be life surging within you. We find new life when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We find real life. We find eternal life. You don't have to make God huge promises about life change. You don't have to memorize huge chunks of the Bible. You don't have to go through religious rituals. You need to just open the door of your heart to Jesus. And he'll take it from there. Jesus waits on your response. And then the third thing, this is, a, this is a great one, from that verse in Revelation 3, is when Jesus comes, he comes to stay. When Jesus comes, he comes to stay. I, I, I often picture mealtimes when I was a kid, and because there were four of us who were like under five years of age or within that range as we grew older, there was an older brother. I, I never picture him at the dinner table. He was probably up and working by the time my mind could pick. So there was the four of us, dad at that end, mom at that end. And um, my, my mother would always, you know, she didn't put everything on the table, family style. She always made up plates in the kitchen. And um, there was a good reason for that because I think in our family, it would have been a food fight free for all if it was all in the middle of the table, right? So, so she would do that and she, you know, dad got his plate and then everybody in their order. My older brother got his before me. I would scrutinize his plate while I waited for mine. I counted the peas. Hey, I didn't grow eventually to 350 pounds at one point just by, you know, just being an amateur at this stuff, okay? All right, so, so, I, I, so I'm, I'm watching his plate, and sometimes there'd be arguments, particularly when it came to other, I love roasted potatoes, and if he had one more roast potato than I had, that would be an issue. 
I remember there were some meal times my mother would sit and she had this bamboo cane stick and she'd have it over the corner of the table. Some meal times we were told, no more talking. It was like, whoa. I don't blame her looking back. I'd have used the bamboo cane. I don't think she ever did, but I don't blame her looking back. But family meal times can be fun too, right? Here's what Jesus said in Revelation 3, verse 20. He said, if you open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. I love that picture. Some of my happiest memories for our family life have been family mealtime, sitting together. We were sitting having dinner the other night and, uh, and you know, with our son with us, our daughter and son-in-law, and we had just a real good time just hanging out together and enjoying each other's company and laughing with each other and laughing at each other. And it's like, it's fabulous. And Jesus doesn't say, if you'll open your heart's door to me, I'm going to come in there and I'm going to straighten you out. He says, I'd like to hang out with you. He says, I'm going to sit down to supper. There were, in culture in those times, breakfast was a very simple meal. It was generally a dry piece of bed dripped in wine, which I, uh, dipped in wine, which I know some of you that would really appreciate. You'd love that, probably without the bread. But anyway, so they dip bread in wine, and that would be their breakfast. And then at lunchtime, it would be like a brown bag. You'd pack something to your workplace, and you'd take that. But dinner was the end of the day when the family all got together, and it was the quality family time of the day. And they lingered a long time over dinner. They, re- they enjoyed each other's company. Their relationships, their bonds were strengthened over the supper table. And Jesus said, if you'll open the door and let me come in, I'll sit down and have supper with you. Jesus isn't standing at the door of your life like a Jehovah's Witness trying to sell you a magazine. He isn't standing at the door of your life like a Mormon trying to get you to go to one of their services. Jesus stands at the door of our lives saying, I just want to be part of this. I just want to come in and live life with you. He wants to share our lives and for us to share his life. Look at me. I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come right in, sit down to supper with you. And here this Sunday morning, in a hundred different ways, there are people who are hearing Jesus knocking at the door of their lives. And what I want to tell you today is this. If you're hearing Jesus knocking, today's the day to open your heart and to let him in. Years ago in the, in the late 1800s, um, there was a great preacher in Chicago area who traveled extensively. He went by his initials, D.L. He was called D.L. Moody. 
Moody was preaching in his church on October night in 1871. And he was just finishing the service around 9 o'clock that Sunday night. And as he was finishing the service, they could hear fire alarms, fire trucks racing, a lot of them around the city. That night, the Great Fire of Chicago started, and it raged for the next two days. Killed about 300 people. Destroyed about a 3.3 square mile area of the city of Chicago, including eventually Moody's church and his home, and took the lives of a lot of his parishioners. Not knowing what was happening outside, as Moody was finishing his sermon that night, he said to people, if you want to say yes to Christ, then open your heart to him. I want you to go home and think seriously about it for a week and come back next Sunday and see if you're ready to say a real yes to Jesus and invite him into your life. The next Sunday night never came for a lot of people who were sitting in his congregation that night. And D.L. Moody said this. He said, I have never since dared to give an audience a week to think about their salvation. Here's what it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 3. It says this. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If you hear the voice of Jesus calling to you today, and you know Jesus is knocking the door of your heart today, don't harden your heart, but respond to that invitation. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. How do you do that, Roger? Talk to me in English. How do you open the door? It's, it's very straightforward. God so wants a relationship with you and me that he made it as simple as he possibly could. Number one, he removed the barrier of our sin by sending Jesus to die in our place and take our punishment. Cleared the path. Number two, he then comes and talks to us and says, will you let me in? Step number three, our step of opening the door is this. It is saying, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I want you to come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I want to know you and to be your child. God made it that simple. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to put yourself through stuff. In a simple prayer, you open the door of your heart. And I'm going to invite hundreds of you that are watching right now to do just that and to make this day the day when you really experience Jesus. He's been so close, and he's part of your thinking. But today you say, God, I'm inviting Jesus to come into my life, to be my Lord, and to be my Savior. Let's pray together.